Everybody and welcome in to another edition of the Prep Extra Podcast, brought to you by the Lincoln Journal Star. As always, Jeff Ekstrom alongside my man Luke Mullen. Luke, another week in the books. How's it going? It's going good, and it's pretty crazy to think all you uh, Prep Extra Podcast fans out there. We only got a few left. I mean, about a month, roughly, of of spring sports action to go. We're looking. Soccer districts, pretty much only a week away. I mean, baseball and, and track, not too long after that as well. Uh, so things are, are really ramping up. We're getting into the busy time of, of the spring sports season, one month to go. Weather's getting a little nicer, which is oh, yeah. good to see. We've, ha- we've had a little bit of struggles here in Nebraska in terms of our weather. So uh, glad to see it's getting better. And, yeah, man, that May stretch is really something from – uh, you got soccer, track, uh, boys golf. You got uh, tennis in there as well. I mean, May to flurry of things. Yeah, and I mean, on that point on the weather, I had at least two baseball coaches who have told me it's been the windiest, coldest spring. I mean, they've had in a long time. I mean, we're we're pretty much, you know, two thirds, almost seventy five percent of the way done with this base spring baseball season. And I mean, is we're still dealing with forty fifty degree. Yeah cold windy days um which is obviously not optimal baseball or really any other sport weather um so that's that's kind of been something interesting that these teams have have dealt with so far this season obviously boys golf has been going but i went out to golf first time with my uh best friend uh this uh this morning and it was the first time we've been out during the season and last year we mentioned that we were able to get out in like middle late march and Mm -hmm. now it's late april and that's the first time we've gone out (laughs) so the weather has not been very cooperative in outdoor activities, but hey, we keep going on, and that includes soccer. And Luke, that's I think where we want to start in recapping what has happened over the past week in Nebraska high school sports. We will start in girls class A on the soccer side, and like again, we mentioned one more week until district pairings in the postseason officially underway. Um, and we take a look at the class A landscape. Uh, a lot of excitement over the last week, and that includes a big matchup in the city where is number four Lincoln East beating number eight Pius three to two um, and that was a resumption of a uh, weather suspended match yeah pretty interesting uh, situation for these teams to come back to I mean you deal with that a bit in the spring I mean I'm used to it a little bit in baseball you know it's kind of interesting you can have like runners on base you know you can be in the middle of a count but a soccer game I mean you really have the flow of the way the game's moving I think momentum is is a huge thing in soccer, so that's really interesting um, to come back and, and play. 21 minutes was all uh, that they had to finish. Kama Carpenter, she scored for East. Um, it was tied before that, so big goal. I mean, not not long after that for, for Pius to turn it around, so that's a, a big win for East, and, you know, really there's only one or two matches left for, for most of these teams in the regular season. Not much to, to change where they are in those wild card points. Making those last few adjustments before the postseason begins. And when we stick inside the city, another big matchup in number six, Lincoln East. Upset number three, Southwest, one to nothing uh, as they secure the LPS City title for the Knights. And Southeast looking mighty good, Luke. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's probably at the beginning of the year, it'd be pretty hard to predict that that would happen. I mean, 
Southwest and, and East really kind of the favorites there with with a lot of returning talent. You know, Southeast, young team, um, not not really having the same big game experience. But, I mean, you look at their, their season schedule and they've they've picked up the wins, just rolling them off one after the other. And it was obviously a, a big one um, to get that city title. I mean, beating uh, their, their pretty close rivals, Southwest, you know, number three versus number six. Uh, Taya Ryan had the goal there to give Southeast the win. And this, that's a team that, you know, you pick up those wins, you really start believing in yourselves. Uh, you know, look, look for them in districts and, and potentially they're in state to keep making that noise. Let's say that is a potential state tournament matchup right there oh, yeah. between Southeast and mm-hmm. Southwest. Uh, that would certainly be fun to have a rematch there. And more so. 1-0, that's a, that's a state tournament yep. scoreline right there, too. <laughs> yep, most certainly. And when you go down to Class B, the top teams taking care of business, and that includes number 1 Norris defeating Elkhorn North in the Eastern Midlands Conference Championship game. They stick at number 1, while the Wolves move up to number 6 after making that title game. Yeah, pretty much uh, the the same, I guess, alignment of this Class B girls soccer that we've been been looking at. Norris, they're looking really strong at the top. Um, only one loss on the year, undefeated against Class B opposition. And Elkhorn North, they, they gave them a pretty good uh, championship round match, but I think the, the strength of this Norris team is just all over the field, attack, uh, defense, midfield. They're just so strong all over. Teams really finding it difficult to, to break them down and, and find any weaknesses so far. They were similar to that last year. They were that good oh, this yeah. year or it looks like they might be even better. Well, we go on down to the boys' side in, in Class A. Uh, Gretna, fresh off its Metro Conference title, gets its rematch against Creighton Prep, and this time it was the Junior Jays who got their revenge, a 2-1 to win in a penalty shootout, uh, putting the Junior Jays at number one, bumping Gretna down to number two. Yeah, I mean, it was it was kind of, a I guess, a shame that we didn't get to see those teams in the Metro tournament. Um, but, th- I mean, Good thing this game was on the schedule right after because it, it definitely tells a, a lot about both those teams. You know, a, a huge matchup, obviously, um, one that we could see in the postseason as well, two teams that, that really have those state championship expectations. And prep just a, a gritty, tough win. Had to play uh, pretty much the entire second half, um, the entirety of extra time with just 10 men after picking up a red card in defense. Um, so that's, that's always going to be a challenge for any team to – to make sure that you know when when you when you're down a man, you know the other team has the numbers advantage. You got to pack it in and make sure you're solid defensively. They got it all the way to to PKs and picked up the win. And this is a, a statistic we got from uh, Nick Ruback of the World Herald. Um, he said Prep was trying to avoid three straight losses for the first time in 20 years. <laughs> I mean, we, we wow. We've talked a couple times about how great. I mean, the soccer heritage is at Prep, but I mean. Three straight losses, it's not that long of a season, so I, I do understand, yeah. but I mean that, that could happen to any team, even the best of teams, so that is just a, a crazy stat. Yeah, it's absurd. I mean, what, Prep has made the state tournament for like 20 years straight, yep, pretty if, much. Not, if not more. Yeah, so. I, I think they missed it once in the 2010s, okay. like one time in the whole decade. Yeah, so. it's like... <laughs> <laughs> just the absolute dominance. And that was chaos, you know, the, yeah, the fire started yep. to descend. Oh, man. <laughs> uh, and then uh, when you – Gretna would eventually bounce back with a big 3-1 win over number 5, Omaha Westside. Uh, but then when you go look at the city scene, number 4, Southwest, and number 7, Lincoln East, both go 1-0 and to keep their place in the rankings. And 
Two interesting teams uh, as we get closer to districts, Luke, uh, those two. We know Southwest, they've responded well after losing the huge senior class, and they've kept up that culture and winning ways. But number seven, Lincoln East, they're up there, and they could be dangerous come postseason time. Definitely. East uh, was a 2-1 win over Pius uh, yesterday as we're recording this, and their losses on the year to Millard North, Lincoln Southeast, and Westside. So two other top 10 teams. Um, it was an overtime loss to Millard North as well. So they've got a, a pretty good resume in terms of their wins and their losses. And then Southwest, uh, they picked up a big 7-1 win over North Star. Two losses on the year, two East and two Scott, which is one of those top Class B teams as well. So I mean, really, the, those teams have done a great job of of picking up wins where they needed to, and it it just gets to me. I mean, Southwest they've played eleven matches; they've got two more. I mean, obviously, you do need a lot of recovery um, in in terms of running, you know, the whole match after one of these soccer uh, matches. But I mean, thirteen regular season games is is pretty pretty small sample size. Yeah. That's why uh, we get some of these big upsets. Uh, well. You go down to Class B, and there's chaos in the Eastern Midlands Conference Tournament. Waverly continues their raid on Class B, winning the EMC title in the shootout. Um, but before that, the big storyline was Bennington, ranked number one, lost 3-1 to one to number eight Elkhorn North, therefore uh, clearing a path for the Vikings to win the conference title. They are the last remaining undefeated team in high school boys soccer this season. Uh, great for the Vikings, but Bennington losing is a huge storyline, Luke. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's a, a team where, you know, if they, if they roll through that conference title, I mean, you're talking about an undefeated season, yep. you know, definite state tournament champion, uh, you know, dreams and, and probably being that favorite up there. Well, now, you know, things are starting to get a little bit more muddy there in, in Class B boys soccer. Um, you know, Wa- Waverly, that was probably, if they could have played Bennington in the final, I mean, that would really have been a great test. I mean, Elkhorn North, still a great team, took them to, to the shootout, as you mentioned, and some some big saves from Waverly's goalkeeper, um, to come up with that that championship win, uh, let's see his name, Ian Moorhead. Just wanted to give him a shout out for for picking up his team to win there. But I mean, that Elkhorn North team, they're talented, and they gave Waverly a good run of things. And when you look at kind of the the rankings that Arbrett Wagner has, I mean, Bennington, Lexington, Scott, Waverly, and Columbus Scotus there in the top five. All those teams in the mix, Elkhorn North surging. You know, South Sioux City, one of my, my preseason yes. shout-outs, they're still uh, potentially in the field as well. So, really, I, I think that that entire Class B landscape kind of feeling the effects of that Bennington loss, everybody uh, giving themselves a little bit little bit of a confidence boost, I'm sure. going to be very, very fun when we get to districts here in a week and seeing what more chaos can ensue in soccer. Make sure to go check out Brent Wagner's ratings on journalstar.com. Uh, Luke, let's uh, let's talk some baseball. Uh, let's start in Class A, and it's been a rotating carousel between Millard West and Creighton Prep um, as the number one teams in the latest rankings, uh, but the top five have been hard to separate so far, though. And Prep number one right now, they lose two games. I mean, I I apologize. I don't know if it's me doing this, if it's the universe, <laughs> but something is cursed about this top spot in the rankings. So we're gonna have to we're gonna have to figure out the reasons for that, <laughs> um, and and avoid any future curses for these teams. But I mean, Prep really earned that that top spot again, um, winning through the Metro Conference tournament. Absolute dominance over uh, an Elkhorn South team in the final that I'm sure had kind of burned through most of their 
their top pitching options when you see a, a score line like eighteen yeah. zero. But I mean, this Creighton prep lineup. I mean, one to nine. If all those guys are hitting, they've all got power. They've all got extra base abilities. Um, if they're if they're seeing the ball well, as they clearly were that day. I mean, they they could do it to uh, uh, any number of top notch pitchers, um, not just the guys lower on the the depth chart. And you know, the kind of the unfortunate thing for prep is every time they've surged into that top spot, a couple losses just set them back and and followed it up with a loss to Rockhurst. Um, Jesuit School from Missouri and Papillion La Vista um, just this last week. So potentially some more moving among that top five. got some big games yeah. coming up this weekend that will let us know more about that. Uh, Prep did beat Elkhorn South 18 nothing to win that Metro Conference title. That's quite a result right there. Uh, like you mentioned, Luke, some teams in that top five. Miller South is up there, but they've lost two games to a surging Bellevue West team that has defied a lot of expectations from them this season. Miller West, a uh, rough week, but like you mentioned, but still up at the top, uh, as well as Lincoln East and Elkhorn South. Yep, those are the, the top five teams, and I mean, obviously a lot of movement behind them. I think, to me, it's kind of a that top five is pretty much set. I mean, yeah. the rankings might change, but to me, those are the the, the real championship contenders, um, the teams that are going to expect to be there. Um, you know, on on the end of the the state tournament bracket. I mean, obviously, it doesn't always work out like that, but those are the expectations. And yeah, like like you mentioned, keep an eye on that Bellevue West team. Um, you know, a, a state semifinalist from a year ago, um, really strong, but lost so many of their top players and started the year just awful i think it was uh two and eight or something like that i mean really i apologize to the thunderbirds i kind of <laughs> i kind of wrote them off a little bit i was like you know they'll they'll pick up some wins it's a yeah. a rebuilding year and then they beat prep uh they beat a ranked class b team uh, platte valley they beat scut number one team in class b beat millard north millard south millard south again and really they're i mean they're going to be making a push here in districts if you're if you're looking at them as that number two team in your district i'm sure you'd be pretty worried knowing that they're really putting things together right now uh and then lincoln east uh, staying in the city uh avenged their hack tournament lost to southwest with a 9-3 win over them on wednesday um southwest they've dropped a couple but they're still a definite top 10 team uh but right now kind of the best team in the city as of recently has been lincoln southeast yeah they've won 10 out of their last 11 including over norris top three team in class b Finding their groove at the uh, one of the more opportune times of the year. Yeah, they've been hot, and it's uh, it's kind of an interesting, I guess, recipe for success for Southeast. I mean, Max Budenbach, Nebraska baseball commit, um, he's really kind of come along as a, a top pitcher for them. But, I mean, if you look at these top 10 Class A teams, almost all of them have a guy who's just absolutely their ace. I mean, you throw him out there against the other team's best pitcher— and for Southeast, Boonbach has stepped up in that way, but that that's a team that is built on offense. And these this this winning streak, they've crossed the seven run mark in, in all of those eleven games, which in cold weather I think is a a great you know a, a great testament to their ability to be locked in those at bats, seeing the ball well, and and doing what they need to do to pick up some wins. So that level of offense has has served them well. They're really going to need the pitching um, to make sure that they're a contender later in the year. And, you know, putting them in the mix with East and Southwest, those top teams in the city, East still up there, state championship contender. I think Southwest has really put in, put itself in the mix. Um, you know, they made state last year. I think they're looking to to be in a pretty good position to do it again after picking up some big wins. 
Uh, and then you go down to Class B. No real changes in the top three. Omaha Scott, Norris, and Beatrice. They all have a recent loss, uh, but they are the solid top three in Class B. But the one team to watch now, Luke, is Elcor North. They have surged up to number four after winning the EMC title. Definitely. And, you know, Scott and Norris in particular, they play a lot of Class A opponents. Um, so even picking up those losses is pretty hard for me to justify dropping them down. Um, so feel pretty confident I'm still up there at the top of Class B. Beatrice, you know, maybe not having the same, you know, level of, of top wins so far. Recent losses to Malcolm, um, another top 10 contender, a team that's come on strong. But really, I mean, that, that Beatrice team is loaded with talent. I'm not going to, you know, drop them too far. I've definitely made that mistake last year when I think I had them number five and they, you know, came out and won the Class B state tournament. So, all these teams in the mix, but Elkhorn North, it's it's time to watch out. I mean, the entirety of Elkhorn is is loaded with baseball talent. Uh, the EMC is a great, great baseball conference. And a couple different uh, Division One commits on that team, Ryan Harahill going to be going to Nebraska, um, is, is kind of the main guy for them on the mound. And he's, he's pretty much a, a lock to have that team in the game whenever he's out there. Uh, they got great power throughout the lineup. A lot of guys who can hit extra base hits. And when when they're all on, I mean, they're up there definitely at the top of Class B. Uh, then you have Central City, Fullerton, Centura. That's all one team. They're still undefeated and dominating its opposition. Um, but we're still a little bit away from districts. But that 8 through 16 range is going to be very brutal. I like how you throw that in there. All one team. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, some of these uh, uh, co-ops, it's a... Uh, their names can get pretty long. Yeah, they can you're... be they can be lengthy on the tongue. There, <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking just below uh, Central City in the in the schedule. Con- Concordia, Brownell, Talbot, Omaha Christian Academy. I mean, say that a couple times fast. But anyway, I mean that that Central City team um, really they play a lot different schedule than anybody else in in Class B. And I'm, I'm not trying to to harp on them too much, but recent win against Malcolm. And a win against Wayne earlier in the year. Only two teams they've beaten with a winning record. Um, so to me, that's why they're still kind of down there in that number six range. You know, they're not the number one team just because they're undefeated. But what I will say, they have a ton of talent. I mean, there, there's a reason why they've been able to roll through this schedule um, with, with relative ease. We saw it last year at the state tournament. They picked up one win. They were pretty dangerous against some of these other Class B powers. So... For right now, they're still down there at number six, but come state tournament time, I think depending on the matchup, they could they could definitely make a run there, uh, be one of those last teams standing. And as you mentioned, I mean, pretty much this entire Class B landscape is is pretty difficult to separate from each other. I mean, I'm looking down there at the bottom um, of that eight to sixteen range. I mean, Lincoln Christian, Malcolm, Platte Valley, a couple of regulars, and Waverly and Elkhorn, Ralston and Wayne. These teams that have kind of been in the mix, a little bit far behind. Um, I have no doubt that at least one or two of those will, will win their district and make their way to state. Going to be two very fun championship races for this baseball season as we get down to the final stretch. Uh, but let's step away from spring sports for a second. And, Luke, let's talk some football. Uh, the football recruiting year, year. 
All right, Luke, let's step away from baseball for a second. Let's talk about some football recruiting. That season is picking up as we enter May in the summer months, and we had some major news around that scene uh, over the past few days, and that had to do with Gretna quarterback Zane Flores committing to Oklahoma State. He, he is headed down south to Stillwater. You had a chance to talk to him, and, I mean, pretty big signing. Uh, how does Zane feel about it? Oh, I mean, I, I think he— I'm sure when that Oklahoma State offer came in, um, he's pretty excited about it. And from what he said to me, I mean, it's just one of those things every, you know, every college decision, athletics or not, I mean, a lot of it comes down to just how you feel on campus, how you feel uh, in that system, and especially with athletics, uh, when you're talking to the coaching staff, just kind of that relationship you have. Well, you know, he he just has a great relationship with, with Oklahoma State, um, took the avi- official visit down there last week. And obviously just it felt right, and he he wanted to make that commitment, you know, be done with uh, recruiting process for now. And, I mean, I I just got to say I, I love it from a fit perspective of his strengths, what that Oklahoma State offense does with spreading the field. I mean, they need a tall guy with a big arm who's very accurate, and that's Zane. I mean, it, it's obviously going to be tough. I mean, that's a, a major college football program. Uh, top 10, top 8, I think, finisher this last season, uh, won a BCS Bowl. I mean, they they expect to be up there at the top of Big 12. They're going to have a lot of different QBs to to battle it out um, here in the next couple seasons. But, I mean, he fits the offense. He has all the talent in the world, and, and I have no doubt that he'll, do, he'll be able to do a great job for that Oklahoma State team. What makes this decision interesting, too, is that Flores would have 100% fit in Nebraska if Nebraska chose to pursue and if Zane had that mutual interest. Because Oklahoma State and Nebraska run pretty similar offenses in terms of spreading the field. So that's just an that's just an observation I had about that decision, but I think it's going to be great. I mean, he's going to take over uh, for Spencer Sanders if maybe they'll have a quarterback in between there. But, uh, but yeah, I think it's a good fit. It's fun. Um, and Oklahoma State, I think, is still on track to be a pretty good program years ongoing. So Yeah, I mean, with with the changing landscape of the Big 12, I mean, they, yeah. they could emerge and, and you know, kind of establish themselves as that, that dominant power in the conference. But, you know, to your point, uh, you know, I – it's all on Nebraska's side. I mean, Zane, whether there was any interest there yeah, or not. Yeah, we don't, we don't know one, We don't know if there's yeah. mutual interest there, but on paper, it looked like it would have fit. Yeah, on, on paper, definitely. you got pretty much your, your top-ranked uh, quarterback recruit, guy who's getting a lot of Power 5 you know, national interest across the Midwest. Other, other Big Ten schools, Big 12, they're all interested in him. Seems like he can and run a, a pretty high-tempo, high-scoring offense, and Nebraska has... A lot of a lot of guys in that QB room, a lot of other recruiting targets, and I guess it it never really panned out for for the two of them to align their interests. And you know, some sometimes that's for the best for for both schools. So obviously, uh, as we said, we we think he'll be a, a great fit there at Oklahoma State, and and wish him the best of luck with that. Well, Nebraska was busy in other areas around the state, more specifically in Scotts Bluff offensive lineman Brock Knudsen and Lincoln High wide receiver defensive back Ben Ngoi picked up offers from the Huskers, and those are two in-state targets. They have very clearly have pointed out that they wanted, and they finally extended offers to both those guys. Yeah, we, we talked about that 2023 class uh, a couple weeks ago, so I guess they were listening to the pod. They were like, hey, we hadn't heard about these <laughs> yes. guys until uh, <laughs> Jeff and Luke shouted them out on the, the Prep Extra podcast, so we better—we know, we know they're good prospects, so we got to give them a couple offers. But 
Knutson, uh, a Mitchell transfer up there at, at Scottsbluff, he's going to do a great job anchoring that team's O-line. Um, really strong, uh, great agile guy, um, able to move the line of scrimmage. So I like what, what Nebraska sees in him. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see if the other offers come in. And then obviously Benny and Goy, a guy I'm very familiar with here in the city, um, watched him play several times. And what I, what I think is really interesting is spoke with him a couple weeks ago, and I was saying, you know, hey, I, I know you're, you're great at wide receiver, you're great at defensive back. Like, what are, you know, what are these colleges kind of viewing you as? And this is a, a great quote. I love it. He said, well, you know, the, the wide receiver, they mainly view me as a wide receiver, but these defensive back coaches, they're trying to steal me for their, their <laughs> DB rooms. So I, I think a lot of that versatility, um, you know, the, especially in college football, you can move around a lot. You know, you can, it can take you a season to find your right fit. So I think teams see his athletic profile. Um, he's, a, he's a great track athlete, uh, you know, great jumping ability going up for the ball at wide receiver versus defending it at defensive back. So those abilities, I think Nebraska sees that, and they think we can work him in one way or another. Well, then you go to a fellow in-city uh, recruit, and that's Malachi Coleman, who continues to pad offers onto his recruiting res- 